Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. At home, we got a little old radio on the porch. Whenever it won't work, Pa just spits in the back of it and walks it a good and it works every time. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Hey, y'all, hey, she's a worker. She's a worker. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's a way back Wednesday, and we have to add wacky because Kimmy is in the studio. Kimmy, I got one name. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Tell me that I'm brilliant. Oh, no, no, no. That would be too obvious. I, I grant you. Charismatic. Fiendishly gifted. Uh... <laughs> Try twisted. Yes, just like a pretzel. That is me. Welcome to this episode of Wacky Wednesday. And speaking of wacky, we have the wacky one right next to us. She is not just wacky. She is also... That's right, always doing something new. You will find something new on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Hello, Wacky Wednesday, Kimmy. Hello. And how are you? Okay. It is a, well, nerd kind of day. It is a... Wednesday! Such a groovy Wednesday! It is a wacky Wednesday and also something in the world of nerdum and pop culture. And that is what? What is a Wednesday? Why is it so special to a certain group of nerds? New comic book day. That's right. Brand new product, comic books, toys, statues, uh, graphic novels, even T-shirts in some cases and uh, coffee mugs and things like that. You can find them at your local comic book store. We highly recommend checking one out. Especially if you saw some of those uh, superhero type uh, ads during the Super Bowl and you say, hey, I want to see that. Well, see where it came from. It's original place. And that is at your comic book store. Matter of fact, Jack Kirby. Uh, we just talked about him on the previous episode. Find out about Jack Kirby at your local comic book shop. You can find a local comic book shop with a search engine we have. Uh, you can find uh, anywhere from 1.5 miles out to 50 miles from your zip code. We have that available on our website. Also on our website, archived episodes all the way back to number one. We have an easy way to take us anywhere and listen any day, anytime. Matter of fact, every new show, every day, you could listen on iHeartRadio or iTunes or SoundCloud. We have those links on our website along with social media. Best way to follow us, find out where we will be next, chances for you to win, and just to you know, stay in touch with us and communicate. And maybe wish Kimmy a happy birthday this month uh, during her birthday. You could do that on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or all of those and other social media. Follow us and help the show grow. Share it with your friends. You can find those links and celebrity interviews we've done 
on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com Culture Escapism, The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That is the big question on wacky way back Wednesdays. Kimmy, want to go back in time? Challenge your brain cells with a thrilling game of pop culture trivia. What say you, Kimmy, on this way back Wednesday? Well, yeah. The timeline may or may not be adjusted, meaning it may be in chronological and linear order, or it may not be. Regardless, Kimmy will need your help, especially with that very first question we have. It's a tough one. Shout out your answers. Yeah, follow along. Or you could speak softly if you need to because you might be somewhat quiet. You can do that to whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on well, planet Earth. And by the way, Kimmy does believe in time travel answers. So I think it's kind of wacky, but it's a wacky Wednesday. Let's just see if it works. She needs your help, especially with this very first question. It is a movie question for you, Kimmy. Even though movies are a strong category, this is old movies. I mean, this is this is way back. This is like, you know, cobwebs. Way, way, way back, okay? Mm. It was on this date, 1914. This actor, director... Some consider one of the greatest of all time. Debuts his character, a character that he would have in many films, called The Tramp. Debuts the character in Kid Auto Races at Venice. That was the name of the movie. Who is known as The Tramp in silent films? Charlie Chaplin. That's right, Charles Chaplin. Did somebody shout that out to you? Nope. Staying in movies, Kimmy. We're looking for the decade. Pinocchio had... It's world premiere in Manhattan on this date in history. Was this the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, or 1960s? 1940s? Correct. It was 1940 when that happened. The year is 1941, and we know how you love oldies. We thought we'd go way back to a golden oldie for you. I'm being sarcastic. Kimmy does not like oldies. She actually despises them. Yes, I do? She despises them. That's not true. <laughs> Just giving you a hard time here. Gibby does very well with British Invasion in into the 70s, 80s, and 90s and current. Anything pre-British Invasion, I think you're kind of weak on, correct? Mm-hmm. Some yeah, of it. Okay, well, this is definitely not British Invasion time. This is pre-British Invasion. The year is 1941. The Tommy Dorsey Orchestra records a song that would become a hit. They have somebody who, well, is lead vocalist for them, Kimmy. Identify who it is. Here is your audio clue. Listen carefully. This person would go solo and become huge as a recording artist, also as a movie star. Here is your clue. I make a date for God, and you can bet your life it rains. I try to give a party. But the guy upstairs complains I guess I'll go through life Just catching colds and missing trains 
Everything happens to me. Oh, it's a happy song. Everything happens to me. Can you tell me who that is? I can't. Give me. I'll give you a couple clues. He was one of the Rat Pack, and he was known as Blue Eyes, old Blue Eyes. Oh, Frank Sinatra? That's a very young Frank Sinatra. 1941, one of his first hits, Everything Happens to Me, recorded with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. Staying in that uh, decade, Kimmy, we know how you love these kind of oldies. The year is 1944. This person records a song. It would not be a signature, but he is identified with this song. He records it for Decca Records. It becomes a hit for him. Tell me who this singer is, who, by the way, would become an actor and television personality and commercial pitch person. Tell me who it is. Would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears, kicks up at anything he hears. Kimmy, can you identify who that is? Bing Crosby? Ooh, she did with a question mark. She is right. Did somebody shout that out to you? No. That is Bing. I thought I was going to have to go to the backup clue, Minute Maid Orange Juice. That's what I was going to do. Mm. I figured you would pick up on it then, right? Mm-hmm. Or I would go, he did a duet with David Bowie. That would be one of the other clues I would mm. throw to you. Figure. Or, and I, or I could, I guess, said, because I'm sure somebody's shouting this out, Bob Hope. Yeah, he teamed up in films with Bob Hope. The year is 1949. <laughs> This baseball player becomes the first $100,000 a year baseball player. It is for the New York Yankees this happens. He is the first for them. One hundred grand. Who is it, Kimmy? 1949. Who would command $100,000? Babe Ruth. 1949. Who would it be? Mickey Mantle. Interesting guess. We'll give you an extra clue. He... Was married briefly. Joe DiMaggio? To Marilyn Monroe. Yes, Joe DiMaggio, 1949. The year is 1959. This recording artist's funeral is held in Lubbock, Texas. Tell me who it is. If you knew Peggy Sue, then you know why I feel blue without Peggy. Not the Peggy Sue. Who is it, Kimmy? Buddy Holly. That's right, 1959. The year is 1964. This person changes his name, his birth name, Cassius Clay. What does he change it to? Muhammad Ali. Correct. The year is 1969. This recording artist, entertainer, well, he goes to TV. He has a TV show on ABC. The series runs from 1969 to 1971 with a total of 65 episodes. Tell me who it is. Here's one of his hits a few years before. The TV show under his name debuted. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. But when I see you hanging about with anyone, it's not unusual to see me cry. I wanna die. Can you tell me who that is? Tom Jones. How did you know that, Kimmy? I thought we'd have to go to his number three hit. That was number 10. I thought we'd have to go to What's New Pussycat. What's New Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's New Pussycat? That was his number three hit from the same year, 1965, as It's Not Unusual. Are you a groupie of Tom Jones? No. Okay, did you, you know, during your travels and meeting so many interesting individuals, did you ever meet somebody who threw their underwear on stage to Tom Jones? 
I don't think so. How about any recording artist or actor or anybody famous? Do you know, anybody you know, they don't have to be a friend. Did anybody ever admit to you, say, hey, you know, I threw something up on stage? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, the Tom Jones TV show called This Is Tom Jones premiered on this date, 1969. Let's see how good your ear is. I think this is impossible music trivia. Even though this song hits number 10, 1970, it didn't receive much oldies play years later. It just did not hit oldies stations, even though the group had a previous number one hit. Tell me who the recording artists are. For this number 10 hit on this date, 1970, here's your clue. The song is Jingle Jangle. Impossible music trivia, I think. Jingle Jangle, 1970. It's number 10. It hits that mark on this date. Tell me who the recording group is, Kimmy. The Osmonds. That's interesting. No, it's not the Osmonds. Here is their number one hit from... Oh, is it the Archies? How did you do this? Did somebody shout this out to you? At first, I thought it kind of sounded like the Archies. How did you do this? The sound. The sound. How on earth? Are you serious? Yeah. I don't know if that ever played on the cartoon at all. Jingle Jangle. I I think it did, actually. Wow. Thought I was going to have to go to the bonus clue. Well, we will go to the bonus clue. Kimmy, 1969, they had a number one song that was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for four weeks. What was that number one hit? Sugar, sugar. Sugar. Oh, honey, honey. Time to check my uh, blood sugar levels. Let's see how they are. Okay, uh, yeah, okay, that's the Archies. You're right, Sugar Sugar. By the way, I ha- that was one of my first records to have as a, a cutout on the back of cereal. Mm. I wish I could find that. Now, I know somebody's had some of the, uh, uh, in a store, a retro store, that's had the cutouts. Those who understand what I'm talking about way back, the uh, cereal companies would have certain 45s on the back of their cereal boxes yeah and that was one of my had and i'd love to have it again not to play it of course just to frame it because they they have art and stuff they're really cool looking uh-huh if you get a chance to see those love to find it. sugar sugar mm. by the archies well jingle jangle peaked number 10 1970 the year is 1974 kimmy this film opens in theaters it stars gene wilder the movie is blazing saddles tell me who the director of blazing saddles is 1974 mel brooks correct have you seen that film i have not the year is 1979 this band kicks off their first american tour it happens outside san francisco a few years later about three they would have a number six hit in the united states tell me who the band is who went on tour on this date in the states 1979 <laughs> Like 
Who is it? The Clash. That's right. The year is 1986. This band begins shooting the video for this single in New York City. Tell me the name of the single. What is the name of that hit? Harlem Shuffle. And who had that as a hit, Kimmy? The Rolling Stones. Correct. Staying in music, the year's 1987. This song goes to number one. Tell me the name of the hit. My desire What is the name of that hit? Open your heart. Open your heart to me, baby. I hold the lock and you hold the key. And who had that as a hit? Madonna. That's correct, Kimmy. The year is 1988. Celebrity notable wedding time. 1988 heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson marries an actress, Kimmy. Who does Mike Tyson marry 1988? Robin, um, I was going to say Robin Givens. That is right. Is it? Robin Givens okay. is right. Not Batman's Robin. No, Robin right, Givens. Right. Okay. You, not yeah. Robin Hood, Robin Givens. Mm-hmm. Okay. The year is 1993. This individual tries to become a recording artist successfully. It does not work. Their self-titled album. They're famous for something else. Really famous for something else. But their boyfriend at the time convinces them that he can make them a star. Can you tell me who it is? Their self-titled album is released. They have four singles from it. None of them chart anywhere on planet Earth. We have two of those. See if you can get it with one of these clues. First single released, well, the first one we have at least, is Go-Go Dancer. Tell me, who who is it, Kimmy? In the back of my mind, an animalistic ritual. Me swinging from a brass pole. Animal vibe is the way to describe. Dancing in my cage and riding high. There's no one better set for stroke. For the girl in a cage is still hope. And as you peep the scheme of things, you'll find you're living in my dreams. Yeah, I'm the Go-Go Dancer. Go-Go Dancer. You have a puzzled look on your face. Can you tell me who that is? 1993. No. Here is your only, well, your last clue. Tell me who it is. Today I am free, tomorrow I may not be. Let's take a trip, baby, we'll be so happy. Open your mind to the power of the body. Physical love is the name of this body. Fantasia Erotica. Can you tell me who that is? I don't know. Here is your last clue, non-audio. The album, this debut album, self-titled debut album, was a project designed by Prince to promote his girlfriend, his latest protege at the time, who he was dating, this model. Who is it? Uh, 
I have no idea. It's Carmen Electra, Kimmy. That, oh, I didn't. I didn't know she dated Prince. Yeah, they, that was his protege for a little oh. little window there. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Nineteen ninety three. That's when that happened. I take it, uh, well, without asking, you don't have that. Okay, do you want it? Uh, No, that's okay. Actually, some of the tracks do sound pretty cool. Okay. It's just bad timing. And she blames Prince's recording label at the time because he was at war with them. And she says they wouldn't promote her because of him. I don't Mm. know if that's true or not. Hmm. You can listen. You decide. The year is 1995. This person's second studio album is released. Here's one of the singles from it. A big hit. Tell me who the recording artist is. Is it, Kimmy? Shania Twain. Yeah, Any Man of Mine. That was one of the singles. Went to number one, 1995. (music) Celebrity and notable birthdays. Famous people, Kimmy. First one born, 1812. Tell me who it is. He wrote 15 novels and hundreds of short stories. He wrote A Christmas Carol. Oliver Twist, and Great Expectations, A Tale of Two Cities, just to name some of his writings. Who is it? You better not miss this, or you will have some people very upset with you. Charles Dickens. Correct. Next individual, writer, born 1867, known for a certain series of children's books that would eventually become a TV series slightly based on her books, slightly based on her life. Tell me the name of the books, the TV show. Here's your clue. Little House on the Prairie. That is right. And who was born on this date? Whose life is Little House on the Prairie based on? Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah, that's exactly right. And who played Laura Ingalls Wilder on the TV series? Melissa Gilbert. Very good. Laura Ingalls Wilder lived until the age of 90. She passed away in 1957, and the books were released 1932 through 1943. Did you read any of those? Yes, I did. You actually, were the, and the books are different than the TV show, right? Um, It's been a while since I've read okay. or seen the TV show, well, but um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to do. I don't want to do any spoilers in case somebody wants to check that out. Tell me why this person is on the famous list, Kimmy Sinclair Lewis, born 1885. He was an author. Correct, American novelist, short story writer, and playwright. In 1930, he became the first writer from the United States to receive the Nobel Prize in Literature. Tell me why this person is on that famous list, Buster Crab. He was an actor. You confident? Mm-hmm. You are right. He was born 1908, died 1983 at the age of 73. He was also an American two-time Olympic swimmer and a movie actor. He's known for playing Tarzan, also Flash Gordon, and Buck Rogers. The only actor to play all three of those characters, the top three syndicated comic strip heroes of the 1930s. Next person you would not know, unfortunately, because he's part of Forgotten Hollywood. That's a list that I have him on, one I've created myself. 
great actors who unfortunately are forgotten today. That's Eddie Bracken, born on this date, 1915, died 2002 at the age of 87, did a ton of movies back in like the late 30s into the 40s, but he also had later movie roles like A National Lampoon's Vacation in 1983, Oscar in 1991, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York in 1992, and Rookie of the Year in 1993. Next individual, Kimmy, tell me who it is once you identify him. Tell me how old he is. You have a plus or minus of five years. He was the voice of Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron 2015. What is this? What is this, please? This feels wrong. I'm a peacekeeping program created to help the Avengers. I don't get it. The mission. Give me a second. That is too much. No. How could you be worthy? You're all killers, and I was tangled in, in strings. These puppets had to kill the other guy. Wouldn't have been my first call. But down in the real world, we're faced with ugly choices. Kimmy, can you identify who that is? Um, Do you need an additional clue? Is that... um? I'll give you an additional clue. He's appeared in the movie Bad Influence in 1990, Stargate 1994. He was also on the TV show The Practice and its spinoff, Boston Legal. James Spader? That's right. How old is James Spader today within five years? Um, 65. James Spader is celebrating his 58th birthday today. Next person, Kimmy. He is one of the world's best-selling artists of all time. Having sold more than 170 million records gives him that title. He's up there with Elvis and the Beatles. Tell me who it is, Kimmy, who's celebrating a birthday. Our lives are better to live to chance. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to the day. Is having a birthday, Kimmy. Garth Brooks. Yes, how old is Garth Brooks today within five years? Uh, 52. Garth Brooks celebrating his 56th birthday with his wife, a recording artist herself. Who is it? Trisha Yearwood. That's right. Moving to somebody else having a birthday, Kimmy. Comedian actor. He hosted the 77th Academy Awards in 2005 and then again the 88th. Academy Awards in 2016. Who is it? I thought about quitting. I thought about it real hard. But I realized they're going to have the Oscars anyway. They're not going to cancel the Oscars because I quit. You know? And the last thing I need is to lose another job to Kevin Hart. Okay? I don't need that. Kev, Kev right there. Kev make movies fast. Every month. Porno stars don't make movies that fast. <laughs> now, the thing is, why are we protesting? That's the, the big question. Why this Oscars? Why this Oscars? You know, it's the 88th Academy Awards. It's the 88th Academy Awards. Who is it, Kimmy? Uh, he'd been mad at me because I was going to guess Kevin Hart. Really? You were? <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? 
but obviously it's not. She was gonna guess Kevin Hart. Great. Who is it, Gibby? Yeah, I I don't know. Whoa! Shout it out. Couple seconds here, Kimmy. Anybody shouting it out to you? I I, I can't get it. Well, you're gonna be yelled at now. Connections fuzzy. Well, you're gonna be yelled at now. It's Chris Rock. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, having a birthday today. He is 53. Next person, Kimmy, known for playing on a certain sitcom before he went to films. This is his breakthrough on this TV show. Identify the TV shows from I've actually heard Kimmy sing that with a ton of people at a concert once. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the TV show? That 70s show. That's correct. He was part of that show. He played the character Kelso. Here he is talking about his character. Tell me who the birthday person is. Less intelligent, common, everyday life kind of guy. You know, he's got the wits when it comes to the books, but when it comes to like common sense, he's a little bit short. I don't think my character's really sure like what cool is, you know, like what the right thing to do is. So he's always like, you know, he'll put his foot in the water and just test it. And if it's not cool, then he jumps back over. And if it is, then he can go with it. And then once he gets going with it, he's out of control. Who is that? Who's having a birthday today, Kimmy? I can't tell you. Kimmy, he was married to Demi Moore in 2005 oh. until 2013. Oh, that's Ashton Kutcher? That is. And who is he presently married to? Um, Now he's married to Mila Kunis. I see dead people. Celebrity and notables who passed away on this date. That's right. Famous people who died. The year is 2000. This magician, illusionist, escape artist dies at the age of 52, Kimmy. I'm sure you are aware of who this is. More than 50 million viewers watched him, 1975, broadcast a show under his name called World of Magic. That event was the first of seven annual broadcasts. Can you tell me who it is? He was no stranger to the Carson show. He appeared on Johnny Carson. Tell me who this illusionist is. Thank you, and hi, everyone. I've always been fascinated by the magic of mirrors. Mirrors are very magical because they give us a perfect reflection of reality, but it's really an illusion. So I thought I'd do a, a wonderful illusion with a mirror. Watch as I walk right through a mirror. Here's our mirror right here in the front of the box. It's a half-inch thick plate glass mirror, and I'm going to have Johnny come over here, if you would, Johnny. Can you tell me who it is he would write a book about Harry Houdini? Oh, um, he kind of like, looked like Weird Al, didn't he? Weird Al or Gallagher, the comedian Gallagher. Yeah, the kind of looking, um, He, he kind of had a hippie thing going on. Doug Hennessy? No? You, you're close. You are so close. <sighs> Doug something. Doug. You are so close with that last name. Judges are like, you almost got to give it to her because it's so close. Uh, I don't know. It's Doug Henning. Henning. Yes, who died on the state 2000 at the age of 52. In 1986, Henning sold his illusions to David Copperfield and other magicians to devote his time to TM. You know, the meditation stuff? Because mm. he got really into that. Okay. 
Amazing Randy, who's an illusionist and debunker, was very upset with him because he went down a path that he claims that it, he just became completely absorbed in TM. And when he was diagnosed with cancer, he wouldn't get proper treatment mm. for it. And it killed him. That's That was Randy's opinion. Very upset about his friend who passed away on the state 2000. Next individual died in 2001, an American actress and singer. She dies at the age of 88. She was the wife of this singing cowboy. Kimmy, tell me who she is. Happy trails to you until we meet again. She was married to whom? Roy Rogers. And what is her name? She passed away. Dale Evans. That's correct. She passed away on this date, 2001. Next individual played on a certain TV series, the original version of this TV show. He was part of it. Identify the TV show, Kimmy. There are those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians or the Toltecs or the Mayans. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Kimmy, can you identify that science fiction fantasy show he was part of in the 1970s? Mm, no. Lauren Green starred on it. Does that help? No. You cannot identify Battlestar Galactica. Oh. He was part of it. He played Captain Apollo. That's Richard Hatch, who passed away 2017 at the age of 71. Richard Hatch actually embraced that original concept of Battlestar Galactica, wrote novels about Battlestar Galactica characters, and and continued the, the series in a way from what it originally was, and also comic books, too, and tried to reboot the show, actually mortgaged his house, borrowed everything he could from everybody, and produced a mini pilot for like a continuation of what the TV series, ignoring Battlestar Galactica 80, 1980, if anybody knows what that is, I'm sorry. Uh, that was a an attempt, to, well, uh, we don't even talk about that one. That was something that only lasted six episodes, by the way. <sighs> he wanted to do what was done before with the 70s show, and we have the pilot, if you will, the the little uh, pitch he did to Universal to try to get this rebooted. And it's fantastic considering the budget that he had. Great idea. I love the original Battlestar Galactica. Unfortunately, Universal gave him the thumbs down, even though he took it to conventions and stuff at the time and people were supporting him big time. They said, no, we didn't know. And then they just did a retool of Battlestar Galactica. And he wasn't a happy camper. He would eventually appear on that retool. I think it was like three episodes, but he still was not a happy guy with Battlestar Galactica. And I'm sure he took a huge financial hit because of that trailer, which you can see right now on our Facebook page. And we also have it on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. A little tribute to what his vision was, and that's a tribute to Richard Hatch, who passed away on this date. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job with trivia today. Thank you. We're going to go back in time to the golden age of radio. We're going to focus on something we talked about on trivia with, well, old-time radio. Radio was new. Radio was new. 
That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. We spoke moments ago about Eddie Bracken being born on this date in 1920. We have an excellent example of his golden age of radio work. He was teamed up one time with one of the best voices in broadcasting, and that is William Conrad. You might remember William Conrad as Cannon, or if you're one of our older listeners, as the original Matt Dillon. He played Matt Dillon on radio and was the voice, the narrator, on Bullwinkle the Cartoon. Eddie Bracken's teaming up with William Conrad in this fantastic example of the golden age of radio. This truly, truly is the theater of the mind with this episode. Ear candy. An enjoyment. The episode's titled Nightmare from 1948. Here's our tribute to Eddie Bracken with William Conrad on the Riley and Kimmy Show. see was this beautiful face, this beautiful girl's face, like a white luminous mask swimming detachedly against enfolding darkness. There was no danger yet, but I wanted to get out of wherever this was. There was eight doors in the room with no free wall space between. I tried one, another, a third. They were the wrong ones. I couldn't get out. The flickering white mask began to change its expression. Slowly it became evil, vindictive. It spoke. It snarled. There he is, right behind you. Get him! Then it, he, was just a black huddle, a dark, lumpy mass... It slowly uncoiled until it loomed before me upright. It came toward me, toward me, toward me, with cataleptic slowness. I wanted to turn and run in the minute, the half minute, that's all there was left now. But I couldn't move. I couldn't lift a foot. I just wavered back and forth as if my shoes were nailed to the floor. He came on, his outline still indistinct like a lumpy clay image. I could see the arms come up from the sides and couldn't avoid them. They were like lobster claws. I could feel its breath on my face. I could feel the pressure of his hands on the side of my neck rather than in front as if trying to break it rather than strangle me. His thumbs were digging into the straining cord right under my ears. Pressing into the tenderest black flesh right beside the jawbone. I pulled the merciless hands and tried one off at last, but it wrenched free of my restraint, trailing a nail scratch across my wrist and clamped itself back where it had been. I beat at his arched body, then pulled at it and grabbed at it with the instinctive clutch of a drowning man. A button came off in my hand and I hung on to it. I don't know why. I just hung on to it. Is he dead? No. No, not yet. Finish it. Hurry. Hand me that drill. I put out my hands. 
destined to protect myself, and something was put into one of them. She put it into my hand instead of his. I fixed my hand on a tight, lifted my arm, and drove it into him from the back. Ah! His dead body fell heavily and sprawled across me. It took almost a minute for me to push it away. Is it done? Did you kill him? When I stood up, she saw me. Ah! Then she disappeared as though swallowed by a shroud. I hurried. I heard a door closed and turned to see which one she'd used to get out, that I might remember and find my way out. But I was too late. When I turned, she was gone, and all the doors looked alike again. I was alone with the dead body. The core of my fear lay sprawled on the floor. I had to hide it, had to shut it away. I tried the doors one by one till one of them opened. It was a closet, a shallow closet, but enough to hold the body. I dragged it across the floor. Shut the door of the closet, pressing it tight in to keep the terror that the body still held away from me. Below the knob, I found a key, a strange key shaped like a three-leaf clover. I turned it, heard the lock click into place, then put the key into my pocket. But I couldn't keep my eyes away from the knob. It was turning slowly to the right and then to the left, and as it turned, it made a ringing noise. A ringing noise. A ringing noise. The knob. The door. The phone. The phone. Hello. Eight o'clock, Vince. Did I wake you? What? Who is this? It's Lil, your sister. I want you to come up for dinner tonight. Oh, Lil, look, I'll phone you later when when I'm awake, okay? Oh, sure. Bye. Bye. What's... It was a dream. It was all a dream. Mirror doors, dead bodies, beautiful women. How Freudian can you get? Must have been that salami I had last night. Never eat salami before going to bed. Eleventh commandment. Fourteen minutes after eight. That means I still have time to... I stood staring stupidly at my wrist. There was a deep scratch on my wrist. For a minute I was startled, then I realized what must have happened. I scratched myself in my sleep and the details ended into my dream. Yeah, that's what must have happened. I dropped my watch and it was broken, but it didn't matter. It was a cheap one. I continued dressing. I chose a blue tie, threw up the collar, drew the tie lane through and folded it again. Part of my mind was getting ready to get frightened, but I held on to it steady like I held the collar. In the mirror, I could see them. The bruises on my throat, brownish purple marks which hadn't been there when I went to bed the night before. It took me a moment to realize, to try to reason it out. I, I must have done this to myself too, crossing my arms over my chest and attempting to strangle myself in my sleep. It didn't make much sense, but it was the best I could do. I decided not to think anything more about it and continued dressing. When I, when I had my jacket on, I put my hand in my change pocket and took what was in it to check car fare and lunch money. 
A button mixed in with the change. A button that didn't belong to any suit or coat I owned. I closed my hand over it and I... It had the feel, the shape. There was no doubt about it in my mind. It was the button from the dream. I rushed to the closet, checked every last thing I had. The button matched nothing. It wasn't from anything of mine. It didn't belong anywhere. I couldn't kid myself anymore. People don't find buttons in dreams. I decided I needed a cup of coffee. I was getting the jitters. I slipped into my top coat and opened the door. Then before I shut it, I checked to make sure I had my key. The key I took out of my pocket wasn't my key. It was shaped like a three-leaf clover. My knees were weak. My stomach was quivering. But I couldn't go back into the room. I had to see people, hear cars in the streets. But it didn't help. All was real. Nothing was wrong. It was me, something in me. I ducked into a drugstore, but I couldn't eat. Instead, I went to the phone booth and called my sister, Lil. Hello? Hello, hello, Lil. Vince. Well, you awake now? Yes, is Cliff at home? No, he went down to headquarters an hour ago. You expecting him back? I am if he doesn't run off with a blonde. Why? Then he won't he be wants... back until tonight. Well, you're a detective, too. How'd you figure that? Uh, sorry I bothered you, Lil. I, I, ju- I just wanted to talk to Cliff. What about dinner? You'll be able to see Cliff then. Dinner? Well, sure, I'm... Uh, No, thanks. I I don't think so. Goodbye. I called the store and told them I was sick. Then I walked all day in the sunshine. Wherever the sun was brightest, I saw it and stayed in that place. And when it moved, I moved with it. I couldn't get it bright enough or strong enough, yet it didn't seem to warm me. At about six o'clock, I found myself in front of Cliff's house. The lights were on inside, and I could see Cliff... No, it was Lil moving around, setting the table, preparing dinner. That meant Cliff wasn't home yet. I waited outside. Well, what's the matter, kid? Are you afraid to ring the bell? Oh, Cliff, I didn't hear you coming. Well, are we going in, or are we going to stay out here? I'm hungry. Cliff, I got to talk to you. Something crazy happened to me. Well, can't it wait an hour? I've had a long, hard day at the office. Is that you, Cliff? Yeah, honey. Well, I thought I heard you talking. Is someone with you? Yeah, Vince. Oh, you said you weren't coming, Vince. Well, I... I... Oh, never mind. The chickens will do for three. Come on in. Well, that's Lil, and there's nothing you can do about it. I hadn't eaten all day, and I hardly touched the food she served. I couldn't wait to get Cliff alone and tell him what happened. A detective should be able to help me. Well, I'll just finish up the dishes and then I'll be back. Get your hat, Cliff. Huh? I've got to talk to you. Alone. Oh, sure, kid. Uh, Lil, Vince and I are going to stretch our legs. Be back in a couple of minutes. Now, Cliff, only beer. (laughs) Okay, okay.
And then there was the button, the same shape and size and everything. It was in my trouser pocket with my change. It's on the dresser back in my own room now. If you want to come over, you can see it for yourself. And last of all, the key turned up on me next to my own keys. In the pocket where I always keep it. Here. This is the key, huh? Yes, that's the way it looked and when I saw it when I was asleep. The same shape, the same color, the same design. It even weighed the same. It e- hey, even... hey, hey. <laughs> You're all in pieces, aren't you? I don't take it that way, kid. Don't let it get you. Cliff, you've got to help me. I'm walking on a high wire and there's no net. Where'd you get this key from, Vince? I mean, where did you first get it from before you dreamed about but it? But you don't understand. I... That's what I've been trying to tell you. I, I didn't have it before I dreamed about it. I never saw it before then. Then I wake up and it turns real. That goes for the button, too? The button, too. Well, you not only have no net, you don't even have a wire. What's really got you going? Are you afraid the dream really happened? Is that it? Hey, don't you understand? There's a door somewhere in this city right at this very minute that this key belongs to. There's a man propped up dead behind it. I don't know where. I don't know where, nor who he is, nor how or why it happened. Only that I... I must have been there. I must have done it. Oh, why? Why would it come to my mind like that in my sleep? Why? You're in a bad way, kid. Say, uh, how about a little drink, huh? <laughs> Lil or no Lil? Uh, waiter! Only coffee. Huh? Yes, sir. Uh, waiter, two... Coffees, huh? uh, two coffees, yes. When the coffee came, Cliff started questioning me. And the man, the fellow, whoever he was. No, I, I couldn't seem to see his face through the whole thing. I only saw it at the very end after it was already too late. And then when the door started to open again, after I locked him in, and it seemed as though I was going to find out something horrible about him, I guess. But I woke up before there was time. Uh-huh. And, uh... Last of all, the place. You say nothing but doors all around you. Uh-huh. Have you been in a place like that lately? Ever seen one in a magazine illustration and a story you've read no, in a movie? No, no. Well, uh, let's get away from the dream for a minute. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> starting to get me, too. Now, what did you do last night before this whole thing came up? Nothing. Just what I do every night. I left the store at the usual time, had my meal at the usual oh, place. Oh, you're sure it wasn't something you ate? No food is responsible for that key. You can't create a thing like that from a dream. And I didn't have it when I went to bed last night. Cliff didn't lose his temper right away. He's a good detective and a good guy. Listen, Vince, there's no halfway business about these things. It's either one thing or the other. Either you dream a thing or you don't dream it. It really happens. Now, you're 26 years old. You're not a kid. Now, don't worry. You'd know it and you'd remember it plenty plain afterwards if you ever came to grips with a guy and he had you by the throat like in this dream and you rammed something in his back. I don't take any stock in this stuff about people walking in their sleep and doing things without knowing it. They can walk a little ways from the bed, maybe, but... The minute anybody touches them or does anything to stop them, they wake right up. They can't be manhandled and go right on sleeping through it. I never walked in my sleep. You can ask Lil all if right, you all think... Right. Now, do you have any recollection at all, no matter how faint, of being out of your room last night, of grappling with a guy or ramming something into him? No. All I have is a perfectly clear recollection of going to bed, dreaming that I did all these things, and then waking up again. <laughs> 
Okay, then that's all there is to it. And it didn't happen. You either dream them or you do them. There's no two ways about it. Don't say anything to Lil about it, will you, Cliff? Yeah, Please. I should say not. They wanted to take you for bugs. Yeah, you'll get over it, Vince. First I'll get to the bottom of it, and then I'll get over it. Cliff, are you going to help me? What do you want me to do? Well, you're a detective. You got the key and the button's over in my room. You must have often had less to work with. Find out where they came from. Find out what they're doing on me. Now, listen, cut that stuff out of you. Here, I don't want to hear any more about the key. I got it, and I'm keeping it, and you're not going to see it again. And if you hop on this spooky stuff anymore, I'll help you, all right, right into the nearest sanitarium. I was on my own, just like before I'd been there. Me and my shadows. Next day, I phoned the store and told them I still wasn't feeling when. Then, well, I stopped in at a newspaper advertising bureau and composed an ad. Classified? Uh, yes, real estate. This is the entire copy? Uh-huh. Check it with me, see if it's correct, please. Wanted, I am interested in inspecting with a view toward leasing or buying a house with an octagonal mirror-paneled room or alcove, period. Location, size, and all other details of secondary importance, provided it has this one essential feature desired for reasons of a sentimental nature, period. Communicate Box L World Express giving exact details, period. Is that everything you want to say, sir? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. How long you want it to run? Uh, a week. Should hear something in that time, shouldn't I? Should. Lady once advertised for an alligator that answered to the name of Lulu, and she got it in four days. <laughs> I guess alligators, answering to the name of Lulu, are more plentiful than houses with octagonal, mirrored, paneled rooms. I got some answers, but none of them are right. None of the houses fit the scene of the dream. Next day, Sunday, I was in my room. Hiya, kid. Hello, Cliff. What are you dressed for? Well, matter of fact, Lil and I are going to take a ride out in the country for the day, and she packed a lunch for three. Cold beer, ham, and Listen, turkey sandwiches. Listen, I'm all right. I don't need fresh air joints to get rid of the devils, if that's the strategy you're oh, trying to... Oh, no, kid. You see, I got this new second-hand Chevy in exchange for my old second-hand Chevy, and I thought that maybe you'd like... In the end, I decided to go with them on their picnic. Cliff was right. There was no point sitting around brooding and waiting for something to happen. I might as well forget it for a few hours, if I could. After our picnic lunch, I was almost beginning to relax. Have another sandwich, Cliff? Oh, why? I'll think of a reason later. <laughs> you have just talked me into it, my dear. Just toss it over. Huh? How about you, Vince? If I had another sandwich, Lil, I'd... Never be able to move another muscle. Where are we, anyhow? I don't know. Ask the pilot. He got us here. Mm, so help me, I was flying blind. <laughs> well, here's a weather report just came in, friends. Rain, and soon. Well, how, well, how soon do you think, Finn? <laughs> right now. Uh -oh. Come on, get the stuff into the car. Oh, I'm getting uh, you take the blanket. I got the baskets, oh, huh? Hurry up, and we'll float back to town. <laughs> to be a pest, but the lightning frightens me. If you can't find your way back to the main road, can't you turn in somewhere and stop a while? Oh, I'm sorry, Lil. It's hard to see through the rain. 
Well, if you spot a house or a barn, please turn in. I'm scared. Yeah, of course, honey. Yeah, if only I had some idea where we are. I can't see ten feet ahead in this stuff. There's a cutoff a little ways ahead. Uh, around the next turn, if you take it, it'll lead us to a house with a big wide porch. We can get in under there. What? Well, how did you uh, know that? Were you ever up around here these parts before? No. Well, then how did you... I, I, I don't know. Well, let's concentrate on driving instead of conversation. Have you seen any road signs? No, Cliff, not a thing, yeah. Are you getting us more tangled up than we already were, Vince? No. Don't stop. Keep going. You'll come to it. Two big stone lanterns. Turn the car left between them. I don't know how I knew that myself. Oh, there they are. There they are. Well, turn, Cliff, like he told you. Yeah. Oh, look, look through the trees. There's a house back there. Oh, Vince was right. Oh, well, I'd be glad to get out of this storm. I'll oh, stop as close to the entrance as possible, dear. All right, honey. Well, it's dry here, but I wish we could get in and away from that lightning. I'll try the doorbell, Cliff. Okay. No one seems to answer. There's a key under the window box with the geraniums. Oh, he's kidding, but look anyway, Cliff. Okay. Oh, isn't that the funniest? Yeah. I'd better put on this light so we can see where we're going. Not that switch. That's the one to the porch. The one that controls the hole is on the other side. He's right. What is this, a rib? How do you know so much about this place anyway, Vin? Oh, just a lucky guess on his pun. Good afternoon. Cliff. Anybody home? Don't do that. He's cold, Cliff. He's shaking. Yeah. I was shaking. Did you see him? And I was closed. He's acting so nervous. But I was dripping with perspiration. I didn't know what made me say those things about the road and the key and the light switches, but they came out as though I had been here before. I was scared. Wait for the summer, I guess. But it's funny they'd leave it unlocked like that. With that electricity still unconnected. Oh, here being a detective comes in handy, Cliff. <laughs> we shouldn't get in trouble walking in like this. Well, as long as we're here, I don't think anybody would mind if we made some coffee. I'd love some. How about you, Cliff? Sure. Go ahead. I couldn't look at Cliff, though I felt his eyes burning a hole in the back of my neck. Lil went into the kitchen, and I began to wander around nervously. I found a bedroom and then a two-entrance bath. I went out by the second entrance and I was in another bedroom. Through the doorway, across the room, I could see myself. My face was whiter than my shirt and my body was quivering. I shifted, came closer, dying a little, wavering as I advanced. Two of me, three, four, five, six, seven, I was across the threshold now, and the door, brought around from its position flat against the outside wall, pulled in after me, flashed the eighth image of myself on its mirror-back surface of myself and Cliff. No! What's the matter, Vince? Cliff, this is the place, this is the place. Yeah. Now wipe off your forehead, you're ringing wet. Have you got it? I got it. Try this one first. 
That's a fake. What are you two doing up there? Keep it downstairs a minute. Uh, don't come up, honey. Vince is taking his pants off to dry them. It's a safe cut open. That's what he was crouched before that night when he seemed to be just like a puddle on the floor. He must have had a blowtorch down there on the floor in front of him. That's what made the bluish light and made her face stand out in the reflection like... Look at that. And that door that you haven't opened yet, it's the one I propped him up in. No, don't. Not right away. Just give me a minute longer. Just give me a chance to get... There's blood on the back wall and the floor. Dry cake blood. Cliff. Vince. All right, kid. Let's hear about another dream. It had all belonged to Vince until now. A wild dream heightened by young imagination. It was his alone. Awful as it was, it all belonged to him. But he had shared his nightmare with Cliff, and Cliff is a detective. He'd never once believed Vince... He told him he was cockeyed, that it couldn't be true. But there they are, the two of them, in a deserted house with which Vince seems quite familiar, although he swears he's never been there. And they face each other in a room paneled with eight mirrors, just like the room in Vince's nightmare. I don't know what Cliff would have done up there in the mirrored alcove, but I blessed my sister when she called us down for coffee. Cliff and I went through the motions of eating with Lil and then waited tensely until she dozed off in the living room, tired out of the excitement of the storm. Then Cliff pushed me back into the kitchen and shut the door. He gave me a look that belonged in a police station basement and lit a cigarette. He didn't offer me one. Policemen don't with their suspects. He bounced the match down, then he shoved his hands deep in his pockets. Now make it short and make it quick and leave Freud out of it. You think I lied, don't you? You knew which cutoff to take that would get us here from a dream, didn't you? You knew about the stone lanterns at the entrance from a dream, didn't you? You knew where the key to the front door was catched from a dream. You knew which was the front porch switch and which was the hall from a dream. Well, you know what I'd do to you if you weren't Lil's brother? I'd push your lying face right through the back of your head. Oh, Cliff! You came to me for help, didn't you? But you didn't have guts enough to come clean. I can respect a guy no matter what he's done if he'll own up to it and make a clean breast of it. I can even understand and make allowances for a guy that'll deny it flatly, lie about it. That's only human nature. But a guy that'll come to somebody trading on the fact that he's married to his sister and he knows he'll give him an ear, making a fool out of him, like you did me. Well, I've got no use for him. He's low and lousy and no good. Look, I found this key in my pocket when I got up this morning. How did it get there? Look, I found this button. Well, some dream, wasn't it, all right? Well, the dream's over and baby's awake now. And we're going to start in from scratch right here in this place, you and me. And I'm going to get the facts out of you. Whether they go any further than me or not, that's my business. But at least I'm going to get them. Don't hit me, Cliff. Please. Now, what were you doing at that place? Huh? What brought you here? I was never here before. I never saw it until I came here today with you and Lil. <laughs> Who was the guy you did I, it to? What was his name? I, I don't know. I tell you. I don't know. Are you going to answer me, Vince? Are you going to answer me? I can't. You're asking me things I... Answer me when I ask you a question. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. You're not going to get away with this, kid. I've handled closed-mouth guys before. And I... 
Don't use this gun much, but I know what to do with it. Who are you? What you two doing in here? We came in out of the rain. Does that suit you? Might. Might not. Identify yourselves. Hurry up about it. Look inside the wallet. Where are you going? For a drink of water. Left tap. Right one's hot water. Thanks. Uh, Cliff Dodge, homicide squad. Glad to know you, Dodge. How about a little identifying yourself? Well, I'm a deputy attached to the sheriff's office. Detailed to keep eye on this place. See my badge? I was to home having a little supper and... Hey, how'd you get in? Thought I had it all locked up safe and sound. The key was bedded in a flower box on the porch. It was, huh? Must be a spare then. Funny. We never knew there was a second one ourselves. Why should this house be your particular concern? Was a murder uncovered in it last week? There no. was? Well, I'd like to hear about it. All about it. We all sat down. I saw the deputy was enjoying this talking shop with a big city detective. Cliff listened while he kept an eye on me. Well, this house belonged to a wealthy couple named Fleming. Husband was away on business in South America when it happened. Fact, we ain't been able to reach him to notify him yet. Wife was a purty little thing. Was? Yep, real purty. Flirty, too. Used to fool around with a friend of her husband's uh, named Ayers, Dan Ayers. Well, that morning, the milkman saw a bundle of rags by the side of the road not far from here. Twas little Miss Fleming, all covered with dew and leaves and twigs. Dead? Dying. She must have dragged herself along the ground for hours, too weak to yell for help. Milkman took her to the hospital. Both legs broken, skull fracture, internal injuries. Oh, no. Hey, kind of gets this young fella, don't it? Stuff's new to him, guess. What was it? Who did it to the woman? Dan Ayer's car. We found it with blood and hairs on the tires and fenders, abandoned under some trees. At the same time, Wagoner, uh, that's my chief, uh, he found the safe in this house busted and looted. It's a... Uh, it's in an eight-sided mirrored room they got on the floor above. I'll take you up and show you afterwards. Oh. Cut it up, Vince. Uh, why don't he go outside if this gets him? I want him in here with us. He should get used to this. Well, suit yourself. Well, finding that safe, give us a case. Ayers knew Fleming kept lots of dough in that safe. Knew he went away on business trips. This last time, Ayers come up here, went to work on the safe, and got caught by Mrs. Fleming. She takes one look and starts running for town to get help. Why didn't she use the telephone? Because this weren't no simple robbery. She must have seen by the look on his face that he'd kill her, so she run for her life. He comes down, gets into his car, catches up with her, and runs her down, drives right over. He thinks she's dead and takes off. You say he drove the car I right over I don't know us. how to drive. I don't know how to drive. Cliff knew it, too. His expression changed, and he pushed his pack of cigarettes over to me. Uh... Have a smoke, kid. It'll do you good. Thanks. Well, we sent out a general alarm for Ayers, but at five that afternoon, Mrs. Fleming regained consciousness for a short time. Wagoner, my chief, was there, and he heard her say, Is Dan all right? He didn't kill Dan, did he? Well, that was enough to send us hot-footing right back to the house, and we found Ayers' no. dead body. No. He'd been stabbed in the back with some kind of a drill, dead since the night before. Mrs. Fleming died about eight that evening. There went our case. Did you get anything on the real killer? Well, practically everything but the guy himself. She was right in the alcove when it happened, saw the killer by the torchlight, and lasted long enough to give us a complete description. 
All the dope is over at my chief's office. Well, let's go over there. Give it the once over. Come on, Vince. You too. I'll leave a note for Lil. Look, Cliff, I... Come on, Vince. I know this is out of your line, but you better come anyhow. Glad you come over, Mr. Dodge. You too, Mr. Hardy. I'm interested in hearing the description of the killer. Well, it's pretty complete. I got it from Mrs. Fleming. Here's a transcription of my whole interview with her at the hospital. Had a stenographer take it down at her bedside. Uh He was one of those efficient young sheriffs, and he droned on and on. My clothes became drenched with perspiration, and my stomach was quivering again. Ah, well, here's what you want, Dodge. Uh, Killer was about 25 and skinny. Cheekbones stood out, cast shadows in the torchlight as it wavered on his face. Uh He must be looking at me. I covered my cheeks with my hands and stared down at the floor. My face was burning under my fingers. And light brown hair. She even remembered that. It was parted low on the left side. (laughs) Take a woman to notice a thing like that even at such a moment. And uh, an unusually long forelock that kept falling in front of his face. My hand went up a little higher and brushed mine back. It only fell down again like it always did. His eyes were fixed and glassy as though he was mentally unbalanced. He had on a knitted sweater, was darned up in the neckline in a different colored yarn. Lil made it for me, and I'd burned it with a cigarette. She fixed it up the best way she could, and Cliff knew about it. Yeah, took us hours to get, but that's it. Uh, You got pictures of Mrs. Fleming and theirs? Death photographs. Care to see them? Yeah, let's have a look. I got weaker and dizzy as they handed the pictures around. I didn't look at them, but... I saw a cliff distract the other men's attention long enough to slip them on top of the file case. Well, I guess Next thing right. I knew, we were getting ready to put the lights out and leave. Coming, Vince? Uh, yeah. I'll run you folks back to the house. It's on my way home. Well, Sheriff, thank you very much. For... Oh, uh, say, Vince, huh? uh, run back a minute and see if I left my cigarettes in Mr. Wagner's office, huh? Sure. Sheriff, I want you and the deputy to look me up and they stand His voice dwindled behind me, and I was in the darkened office again, alone. I knew what I'd been sent back for. He wanted me to see those pictures. I switched on the lights. They were on the file case. I took them in my hands, and I stared at them. Like a light. Now, what did it, you suppose? The pictures? Uh, he's not well. He's under treatment by a doctor right now. He gets these dizzy spells now and then. That's all it is. Hey, yeah, kid, drink this water. Yes. Now, shut up and don't say anything. You'll be all right. Uh, I'm sorry for all the trouble we've caused. Perfectly all right. Come back anytime. That was a place I never wanted to go back to. Cliff and I didn't say much as the deputy drove us to the house. We picked up Lil and started back to town. I think you've got a nerve, Cliff. Dog. We couldn't Even talk them either. Like because no Lil was blazing saw at Cliff and leaving her alone, laced into him. And I think for once he was grateful. Kept him from thinking too steadily about me. She only quit when we were near my place and she saw me holding my head. 
What's the matter, Vince? Don't you feel well? The outing was a little bit too strenuous for him. No wonder the way you drive. Yeah? Well, I got us here, didn't I? Great. I'll see what I can do about having you decorated for it. I'll go up with Vince a minute. No, it's all right. I'm feeling... I'm coming up with you, Vince. He closed the door to my room behind us and then turned to me. He spoke low and very undramatically. No fireworks. Lil's waiting downstairs. I'm going to take her home first before I do anything. I love Lil. It's bad enough what this is going to do to her when she finds out. I'm going to see she gets at least one good night's sleep before she does. Cliff. Cliff. Run out. That's the best thing you can do. Meet your finish on the hoof somewhere else where your sister and I don't have to see it happen. And if you're still here when I come back, I'm going to arrest you for the murder of Dan Ayers and Dorothy Fleming. I don't have to ask you if you killed those two people. You fainted dead on the floor when you saw their pictures. Now take my advice and don't be here when I get back. I'll turn in my information at my own precinct house and they can pass it on to Wagner. Then I'll hand over my own badge in the morning. Cliff, I'm frightened. Killers always are. Afterwards... Don't forget, you got a half hour. I didn't move for about half the time he'd given me. Then my hand went to my cheek as it had in the sheriff's office, and my face felt bristly. Without thinking, I went into the bathroom and turned on the warm water tap. I took my cream blade holder from the cabinet not a sheer reflex of habit and I realized I didn't need the cream and the holder and I put them back I took the razor in my hand I was seeing black spots in front of my eyes when he tried to get in the door Tried to keep very quiet so he'd think I'd land and go away. Vince! Why didn't he go away? I could barely stand up. Open the door, Vince, or I'll shoot the lock away. I, I held my breath for a second. And then I had no strength left. Vince! You could have saved yourself the trip back, Cliff. They didn't keep me at the hospital. Just took stitches in my wrist and told me to go home and take it easy for a while. I hadn't been able to do even that right. It was four in the morning when we got back to my room... Cliff stood over me while I undressed and got into bed. Now, remember, just take it easy. What about the arrest? Postponed? Canceled. I gave you your chance to run out and you didn't take it. As a matter of fact, I sent Lil home alone. I've been downstairs watching the street door the whole time. Yeah, when a guy's willing to let the life run out of his veins, there must be something to his story. He don't die to back up lies. I think you've been telling the truth, to the best of your knowledge. I'm tired. Licked. 
I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Well, I think I better stick with you tonight anyway. It's all right. I won't try it again. Yeah, there's blood on the floor. You sure picked a messy way. I did think of gas. This hotel doesn't have it. If more houses had no gas, there'd be fewer... Sure. All the modern conveniences. But electricity is undependable, too. Lights go out. Happened to a fella in the next room one night. And he had to use a candle. <laughs> it was the same night that I had the dream. How did you know he had to use a candle? Were you in there at the time? No, he rapped and stuck his head in my door for a minute. <laughs> Wanted to know if the power had failed all over. You know how people are in little hotels like this. Why do you have to do that? Couldn't he tell by the hall? All lights go out at 11.30. I guess it was after that. Well, that's still no reason why he should bust any on you. Look, I'd like to hear the rest of this. But there isn't any rest. I told you all there is to it. That's what you think. Just watch what I can get out of it. <laughs> He wouldn't let me go to sleep. I had to tell him about the man next door who moved in a week or so before the night of the dream. That particular night I had been reading in bed. And as I put down the lights and about ready to doze off, he knocked. Come in. He was holding the candle right in front of his face between his eyes. And in the darkness, I had to stare at the candlelight and his eyes behind it. He explained about the lights and... Please excuse me for intruding. You must be tired. Very tired. You look so sleepy. No, it, I know. It's, it's... You want to sleep. I shouldn't have come. You can sleep now. Sleep well. Your eyes are so heavy. You look so... And that's all there was to it. He left and I went to sleep. Did you hear him shut the door? Well, I suppose I so. don't mean suppose. I mean, did you actually hear the door shut? Think about it, kid. This is important. I don't remember. Well, another thing, then. Did you ever have any conversation with him other than hello and goodbye? Well, he offered me some cough traps several times, and I told him I didn't like him. Uh, but once going down in the elevator, he absolutely insisted that I take one. So I did. Yeah, testing willpower. What? Uh, never mind. I don't want to frighten you right now. Look, you got some sleep, kid. You're a week after what you tried to do tonight. Where are you going? I, I thought you were staying here tonight. I'm going back to the Fleming house and to Wagner's headquarters, too, while I'm at it. Now? Yeah. You're going all the way back up there at, the, at this hour of the morning? And, uh, Vince, don't give up yet. We'll find a way out without shortcuts like you tried tonight. <laughs> I didn't wake until noon, but I didn't dare leave the room for a cup of coffee. I didn't want to miss Cliff when he got back. About two, there was a knock on the door, and I almost fell over in my rush to open it. Cliff, I... I... Oh, excuse me, I... Sure, mister. Uh, say, are you Vincent Hardy? Yes. Well, I think I got what you want. What I want? Yeah, my Uncle Henry built it. He was crazy. It's got a room with eight sides. 
I'm terribly sorry, but I'm not in the market for that house any longer. You ain't? No. Oh, you're like Uncle Henry, too, huh? He would have liked you. Well, goodbye. Cliff finally showed up around three. He looked terrible. He hadn't slept all night. He showed me a picture he'd brought. You know this guy, Vince? This guy? Well, the glasses are missing and the mustache and the hair is in rumple. Uh, But Cliff, uh, uh... Yeah? This is the guy from next door. Where'd you get this picture? From Wagner. It's Mrs. Fleming's husband. They're both the same fellow? Right. But there's no out in it for you. I got that straight, kid. I checked the fingerprints Wagner got there. Yours. You and nobody but you went into the Fleming house, killed Ayers, and hid his body in the closet. No. But you didn't kill Dorothy Fleming because you can't drive. Now, somebody else did that in Ayers' car. Somebody who brought you up there and was waiting for you at a safe distance. But why didn't I know I was doing Well, that'll come later. What we have to do now is prove that the circumstance of the drink could have happened. Get it down on record officially. That isn't perfect, but it's the best we can do. Well, what do you... I think it's better if you don't know too much. Uh, A telegram addressed to Mrs. Fleming was received from her husband while I was up there. He's arriving back from South America today. Where are we going? Where is the place you'd least rather go of all places right now? That... that room. That house. I'm sorry, kid, but that's the place you're going to have to go back to and stay in alone tonight. If you ever want to get out from under the shadows again. Now, what do you say? Shall we make the try? Okay. I'm ready. I'd been sitting on the floor outside the mirrored alcove to rest when I heard him come in. He didn't come right up. I suppose he stopped to put his things away. Then I heard him tap the keys of the piano downstairs. Then I heard his footsteps coming, and I pushed myself backwards along the floor into the alcove. My heart was pounding so hard I had to keep my mouth open. He was in the bedroom, opening suitcases, looking for things. I pushed myself into the closet where the body had been. And in a moment, he walked into the alcove and put on the lights. I could see him through the keyhole as he walked past the door. Then he stood still, turning to go. This was the time. Now. I held the gun tight and pushed the door open soundlessly. He heard me as I stepped into the room and whirled around. I wanted to yell at the top of my lungs at him. But I kept my lips together. Cliff had drilled me carefully on how I should act, what I should say. He'd particularly warned me to make Fleming talk first. How did you get here? You showed me the way, didn't you? You... You remembered coming here? Didn't think I would, did you? You couldn't have. Then how did I come back again? You explain it. How long have you been in here? Like 
Like this? Since after dark. I got in before you came home. What'd you bring with you? Nobody. Just this, a 44 automatic. That's all the company I wanted with you. Mm-hmm. Exactly how much do you remember? <laughs> much more than you think. You remember the drive-up? You couldn't have. I told you to remember it only as a dream. You had the look. What look? I was holding a thumbtack pressed into the palm of each hand the whole way. Then why did you do everything that you were directed to do so passively? I thought there might be something in it for me later if anyone went to all that trouble. You purposely faked? I can't believe it. You didn't even draw back. Show a sign when I let you out of the car. Put the knife in your hand. Sent you on towards the house. Told you how to get in, what to do. You mean you went ahead unconsciously? Sure, I figured you'd pay me off afterwards. Oh. <laughs> well, what went wrong inside? Well, I, I accidentally uh, dropped the knife you gave me. Ayers jumped me in the alcove. In the darkness, your wife put a drill into my hand instead of his. And I killed him in self-defense. Yes. And she ran out. I had to go after her and stop her myself. I got her with Ayers' car. She never even saw me. That's what I wanted to know. Are you crazy? You must have known. No, I tricked you. You had me hypnotized that night, all right. But you've just convicted yourself out of your own mouth to me. I don't want to be paid off. You picked someone with a weak willpower, maybe, but strong scruples. I was an honest man. You made me commit murder. I can't clear myself in the eyes of the law ever. But you're going to pay for doing that to me now. This way. Wait. Don't do that. That won't help you any. You shouldn't have left me alone. That was your mistake. Here you go, Fleming. Wait. Wait one minute more. Just a minute. Now look. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Clifford warned me to be careful, but I wasn't careful enough. I couldn't seem to help myself. I just glanced at him. Eyes met, and suddenly mine couldn't get away anymore, as though they were hit by glue. A sort of torpor turned me into wax. But I made an effort to do one more thing. It came out as a single sentence. Fleming? I'm... I'm... I'm going to shoot you. No. Quiet. You don't want to shoot anybody. You're tired. The gun's too heavy for you. Why do you want to hold that heavy thing? That's right. You're tired. Tired. This will stand up in any court. There's enough evidence on this wire recorder to send Fleming to the electric chair. Listen, listen. Huh? What's all that mumbling? I can't quite make out what this... Hey, we'd better get up there. Come on. Hey, Fleming must be trying to do... Holy smokes, he's getting away. Come on! There's a pencil and paper in the glove compartment. Take them out. Good. Now write what I tell you. Start. 
I'm wanted for the murder of those two people at the Fleming house. They're bound to get me sooner or later. And I have no chance. I see no other way but this. Now, sign your name. Vincent Hardy. <laughs> now, get out of the car quickly and take the chain attached to that anchor. Over there. On your right, over there. Go ahead. That's right. Now, tie it around your stomach and legs and pick up the anchor. Yes, that's it. Carry it in your hands. Yes, very good. Come on, Connie. Now then, walk. Walk to the end of the dock. Hurry, you fool, and throw the anchor into the lake. Go ahead. Hurry. Goodbye, Vincent. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I fought against it as hard as I could. And when I got to the end of the dock, I just threw the anchor into the lake and my body went tumbling. Fleming? Yeah, Fleming's dead, Mr. Dodge. Car hit a tree and folded up like an accordion. Uh, Vince would be gone, too, if I dozed another minute in that cellar. Yeah, don't feel bad. You did all right by the boy. You went in after him like a veteran lifeguard. Say, uh, if you can get, take care of him, Mr. Dodge, I, I want to get these recordings into my safe at the office and send some boys out to pick up Fleming in that car. Yeah, sure, go ahead, Sheriff. Vince will be all right. Was he telling the truth, Cliff? Yeah. This Fleming used to be a vaudeville hypnotist. Tried using his old act to get rid of heirs and his own wife. That you'll be cleared because we have proof that you were not responsible for your acts while under the hypnosis. Thanks, Cliff. But you'll have to appear in court and stand charges. I will. You scared, kid. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. I'll be standing there next to you the whole time. Well, come on now, let's go. That was Eddie Bracken in Nightmare, originally airing 1948, co-starring William Conrad. Thank you for listening to the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you enjoyed this episode of Trivia, also Golden Age of Radio, 
we have a daily show available for your listening pleasure. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and very easy to be updated with shows so you can take us anywhere to work, for the commute, or just to listen at any time of day and night. And that is on the platforms of iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, just to name a few. We have links to those platforms and our social media and archived episodes. They're available right now on our website at RileyAndKimmy.com. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Share our Facebook page once you've liked it and encourage people to listen to the Riley and Kimmy Show. Often imitated but never duplicated, we offer something different. Pop culture escapism every single day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.